Hello. Hey, John. Hi, Dan Benjamin. How are you? Good. I understand. Let me get this straight. Yeah. This is the third long podcast you're recording today? Yeah, this is number three, man. How do you keep your mind active and engaged? Well, you know, there's no I in uh, in the word team, and it's oh. a team effort. Mm-hmm. Um, team effort. I saw that you were just in uh, in my old haunt, my old uh, my old hometown of Orlando. I was briefly in Orlando, which is the <laughs> best so way to be in Orlando. Yes, no kidding. Uh, but Orlando's really coming up. Yeah, right. And you know, <laughs> you know. I'm not sure you do know this about me, but I have had some very positive experiences in downtown Orlando. Really. Yeah, I find that. <laughs> I find when the, was that? I find the town itself very charming. Really, <laughs> and uh, one time—I mean, the bars aren't great, but mm-hmm. the but the town itself has lots to recommend it. And then I had I had a, a wonderful experience there where I was where I was mugged. Okay, well, let's say attempted mugged. Three, uh, <laughs> three, like young men. Um, attempted to mug me as I was walking around that big lake. Yes, Lake Eola. Lake Eola. It's walking around that in the middle of the night, admittedly. <laughs> no one does that. And they tried to mug me. <laughs> and they were unsuccessful in mugging me. How? Well, they, they, um, <clears throat> they tried to mug me in the style of uh, contemporary times, okay. which is to say that they have seen a lot of movies and music videos where people play acted violence. And so they came up behind me. And then when I heard them, I turned around and I said, Hey, what's up? And one of them said, did you know it just, I, did I'm, did you stop or were you can walk continuing to sort of walk? I wasn't walking at the time. I had stopped on a fence and I was watching swans. <laughs> I was watching the swans on Lake Eola. Yes. Uh, swimming swan like in the, in the dark. Uh, which is a pretty, that, that's a pretty, how would you say that makes you look like a victim? Yeah. If you're, I was leaning on a railing and Uh I was watching the swans. It was the middle of the night and I heard them come up. They walked past me first. Right. I heard them, but I didn't turn around. Yeah. I didn't turn around. And I was honestly, the story gets worse. I was wearing white jeans. (laughs) So I may have looked. Uh, like a You're what they call a mark. I looked like a mark, yeah. and then I heard them. I heard them turn that that distinctive sound of some of people's feet mm. turning in the on the on the the um, in the little gravel that's on the, the bike path. Yeah, and I was like, okay, here we go. I continued to lean on the fence and or the rail until they came sort of back, and then I turned around. I was like, hi, fellas, and one of them said, hey, man, do you know what time it is? But they kept advancing, mm-hmm. and uh, and I said, "Well, I, I, think I had a flip phone then, maybe no, it was pre cell phone, so I may have even looked at my watch. I don't know." But then the kid in the lead stepped directly, I guess, stepped to me, as they say, mm-hmm. and tried to punch me. But the way he punched me was he lifted his hand way up in the air 
as though to come down upon me. Right. He was going to he was going to punch me down. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, because he'd seen this somewhere. Right. This was something. This isn't something any, anybody would have taught you. And no. it isn't something that ever would have worked unless you were punching a six year old. <laughs> but it was it was in the style of like, you know, the way that in music videos, they will hold the pistol sideways yes. up in the air and shoot down. Yes, yes, yes. Which is a terrible way to hold a pistol. <laughs> An extremely bad way to aim a pistol at anything. <laughs> and it looks very dramatic. It looks incredibly tough. I don't yeah. know why it does. I don't I honestly have thought about this. I don't know why that looks so tough. It looks great, though. Yeah, but it's like moronic. But it looks looks it does look great. It looks very like confident and like, take that, pal. Yeah. So he goes up like that, raises his fist up, and he's going to just punch me down. But as you can guess, Dan, that is a very inefficient way to punch someone. Well, yeah. Was he taller than you? Well, he was maybe, he was certainly tall enough to give this a try. Okay. I mean, they were not. Because if I did it, it would just be silly. Yeah, you would punch it down at the top of my belt buckle. Right. But, but these, you know, these, <laughs> when I say kids, I mean that they were in their late, late teens or early 20s. Right. Goofballs. Yeah, they were out, you know, they were wilding or whatever. Three right. of them out in the park and they were going to get into some trouble and they were going to rob, yeah. you know, this this dumb guy that wandered away from some Mexican bar, <laughs> some like La Cucaracha bar. <laughs> so he tries to come down and like, and I can only assume by the way that he did this and with his friends like in readiness, in his mental picture of how this was going to go, he imagined that he was going to punch me. I was going to fall into a heap. Right. And begin crying. That, that's, the only, that's the only way he could have imagined what was going to happen. Yeah. And so he's up high and here he comes down at me. But I want you to now imagine mm-hmm. the, the very inefficient expenditure of punching energy. <laughs> right. And what I did was simply raise my left arm sort of just not even just sort of halfway. Yeah. I just raised it just sort of at the elbow uh-huh. <laughs> and completely deflected his punch <laughs> effortlessly right. with no causing no injury or even inconvenience to me. Uh-huh. Just like whoop. And his punch immediately went because he's punching with his right hand. Uh, yeah. And I lifted my left arm right. and then and not only did his punch deflect, but now he is standing with, he's standing basically completely open. wide open. Right, right. Well, uh, one and a half feet from me. <laughs> At which point he real he realizes a, that I am enormous. Yes. B that I am not drunk. Uh-huh. <laughs> C that my white jeans say nothing about me. <laughs> right? They are not indicative of right. of my capabilities or of what I'm doing out here. Right. They are not a they are not a signal of any kind. If anything, they are a camouflage. And then he and oh also he is he is completely open to me, both arms effectively useless for this brief moment. And also like he's bent over 
at the waist from the exertion of his his missed <laughs> thrust. Right. And yeah. he gets a very he gets a very different look on his face than he had just seconds before. And he uh I I think I then, you know, take a step back and he takes a he then takes a sort of leap back and his friends and he square off and i and one of them was like fumbling in his pocket I, there was a possibility that he had some sort of pop gun mm-hmm. but he couldn't quite get it out of his pocket <laughs> maybe it was a knife maybe it was a lighter he's <laughs> he's wrestling in his pocket can't quite get it away and then there was this like hilarious standoff where i was sort of standing there right and they were standing there and i i wasn't none of this was a surprise to me it was it was something that i yeah yeah i had to anticipate it was a surprise to them oh yeah but i wasn't in any mood to like prolong it <laughs> i didn't have anything to prove <laughs> right and so we just stood there and then uh, I, that they said, you know, fuck you or whatever. Right. I mean, what else are you going to say? Yeah. And I said, uh, go back to muggers school. <laughs> and then and it was the only thing. It was the first thing that popped into my head. Go back it's to perfect. muggers school. I don't know what better thing you could have said. And then they walked away uh, really mad and oh saying, God. fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. But I mean, they're saying it like over their shoulder, right? Which is not a very effective way to say fuck you to somebody. Yeah. And I think I may have said it again. <laughs> go, go back to mugger's school because I was so proud of having said it the first time. And then I was still pretty proud of that line. Yeah. And I walked back into the town. Uh, you know, not, ex- I didn't have a, I didn't have a diamond tipped cane or I would have been twirling the cane. <laughs> yeah. And I walked into the terrible cucarachas style bar where my friends were. Yeah. And I said, get a load of this. Uh, I just got jumped and they were like, what? And they all got up and they were like, let's go get them. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> and then I told them the story and at which I, you know, and then I ended with like, go back to mugger school. Yeah. And I was pretty, you know, you could see on my face. I was. You're proud of yourself for coming up with it on the spot. I was, I was pretty pleased. Yeah. I feel like it's a, I feel like it's a, a Herculean diss and a diss that will stick with them for a long time. I think that that those kids are probably 35 now and they're, they still, when they're, when they're lying in bed, they still think about that. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that, you know, they could all be in jail or maybe they're all responsible parents. Who knows? But anyway, then go back to mugger school became a little bit of a, this was before I understood, before I knew what the word meme meant, but within my group of friends, it became a little bit of me of a meme, (laughs) which made me even prouder. We would tell each other to go back to mugger school whenever (laughs) one of us was fronting. Right. And I was, I was super glad about it. And I still, every once in a while, there are a couple of people that I will still say, go back to mugger school too, if they front to me. I love that. So that all happened in Orlando. And you might think, oh, I got jumped. 
Oh, I got jumped in Orlando. I hate that place, but I got jumped in Orlando and I love it there. That was the, that was like super hilarious. We would like to thank bench bench is the online bookkeeping service that pairs you with a team of dedicated bookkeepers who use simple, elegant software to do your bookkeeping for you. It's awesome. I'm using Bench. I was using Bench before they became a sponsor, and they're really, really great. It's the kind of thing that's perfect if you're a small, medium-sized business, even a freelancer, if you just don't want to mess with this stuff. I don't want to mess with this stuff. They tie into your bank. They tie in if you use PayPal. Whatever it is that you're doing, you get a credit card. You don't have to like categorize every purchase you make for the business. They figure all of this stuff out. It's all automated as far as pulling in the data. And then a real live human being who is like a bookkeeper looks at all of your stuff, reconciles everything, and every month like gives you information about your business, how much you made, how much you spent, where the money's going. It's genius. And when it comes time to do taxes, like they just hand all that information to your uh, accountant or to you if you're doing your taxes to make it all super simple. They integrate with everything. They integrate with every other service in the, the whole world just to make all of this stuff as easy as it could possibly be because exactly what we don't want to do is have to mess with accounting and bookkeeping. They just take it away and they do it and it just works. And there's a real person that you can contact anytime you want and ask questions. They are there to help you focus on what matters most. That's why they exist. And listeners of Roadwork are going to get 20% off their first six months. That's right. That could be you getting 20% off. Your first six months. Where? How? Go to bench.co slash partner slash roadwork. That URL will be in the show notes, but bench.co slash partner slash roadwork. 20% off. Go check them out. At this, at the, you, have, you have been in many brawls over your yeah. career. Yeah. When did, when was your, what was your first fight or what was your first brawl? Oh, I was, I hated, hated, hated physical confrontation. I was uh, in elementary school. I think the, f the first time I was in sixth grade, I guess. And I had a couple of friends. They were brothers. Uh, the older brother was my age. And then he had a younger brother, brother, Paul and Andy, I think. And we used to play you know, we would play guns in yeah. the forest and then it was the, it was the summer, I guess. And my dad came home one day and he was like, come on, let's go get in the plane. And we got in the plane and we just flew away for a week. We flew over to, to Toke Junction and from Toke Junction, we flew to Whitehorse and then we flew to Dawson city and then we flew to Fairbanks and we, we just spent a week like flying around land in some little airport, walk over to the town, get a hamburger, get a hotel room. Uh, my dad used to believe that when you visited a place, you had to find the river that ran through the place and then pee in it. And that was <laughs> one of the missions. We right. Had, you know, we had to pee in the Yukon and then we had to pee in the Kuskokwim. We always had to find the river and pee in it because I don't know why, because that, and that gave us ownership over the, over the land and their people. Uh, 
But when I got back from this trip, I had Paul and his brother, I think had resentment against me because when we played cops and robbers or when we played army, I was always the, if we played army, I was always the general. And if we played cops and robbers, I was always Starsky, even though I looked like Hutch, you know, I was bossy, I yeah. was bossy to them. Sure. Was and that part of a character you were playing or was it just in your nature? I was a bossy kid and they were, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't dominate me. Sure. Right. Um, so I got back, I got back to town from this week long trip with my dad. Oh, incidentally, Paul and his brother now are both sheriffs in real life. Yeah. Paul became a sheriff. Man, you his must have brother, traumatized these guys. His brother then followed him into sheriffdom. Yeah. They're sheriffs. And I think, Honestly, I don't want to talk out of school, but I think one of them or maybe both of them were involved in a in a fatal shooting oh. where they were where there was some question about whether the shooting was 100% legit and the 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 investigation found them to be innocent but but they were also placed on administrative leave for some time or I I'm not sure. I don't you know what? I have I have no certainty about that but i think i remember reading it in the newspaper and say being like oh wow we played a lot of guns back in the day and you know what they weren't very good so i mean i was the general right anyway <laughs> i came back and there was a new friend a new friend okay. that had arrived while i was gone which seems unlikely that i would be gone for one week and come back and there would be a new friend a new guy in there group a new guy and he lived in the uh he lived in the sort of shitty little two-story apartment building that was on the next block that was kind of the you know we lived on the street that had little three-bedroom houses on it my dad lived in a condo on that street and he lived in the little shitty apartment building that was kind of on the poor street on the next block and he seemed like a poor kid and he was also quite a bit older than we were. I mean, we were in sixth, sixth grade and he was probably an eighth grader. And all of a sudden he was there. He was running. He was running the show. They were playing baseball, baseball, not guns, right. baseball. And so I showed up and was like, Hey, what's up fellas? And everybody was really that Paul and his brother were really, really cold to me. They were like, Oh, what's up? You know, where have you been? And I was like, I went on a trip with my dad. And they were like, well, <laughs> this is our new friend, you know, uh, Bernie or whatever. And I was like, Oh, Hey, and Bernie was not having it. And Bernie or whoever this guy was picked up a rock and threw it at me. Really? Just and right. Like straight away threw a rock at me and I'd never had a rock thrown at me. And I was like, what the? And then Paul and his brother started throwing rocks at me. No. The, th the three of them were throwing rocks at me. Oh, my God. And hitting me with rocks. And I was so, I was super betrayed by oh my God, friends. Oh, yeah, of course. By my, uh, my friend Paul, who had been, you know, we'd been friends for three years. Uh, and really scared of this bigger kid. 
And I turned around and hightailed it out of there. And as I was hightailing it out of there, some workman, some guy probably in his 20s, carpenter or something, who was standing on a scaffold and working on a nearby building, had watched the whole thing. And he yelled at me and said, don't run away from those guys. You got to fight them back. You got to get back in there and fight those guys. Right. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Nobody had ever said, go back and fight somebody, you know? Yeah. And I was like quadruply confused because not only was I running from these terrible bullies, but some strange guy on a scaffold was telling me that I needed to go fight him. And so I was <sighs> devastated. I was crying. I went home and sitting in the living room crying. Of course, I was a latchkey kid. Right. So there was nobody there to comfort me. Right. So just, just you in there on your own. I was there just, too like that. Yeah. Just sitting in front of the fire. There's in front of the cold fireplace crying at the, at the ashes. And it really did a number on me. I did not want, I didn't go basically at, when I would go outside for the whole rest of that summer, I would turn left instead of turn right. I just avoided that no corner. Yeah. I avoided those kids. I didn't, I never prompted a, a confrontation of any kind. And that continued to be my mode through junior high and high school. Because I was, I was a year younger than everybody and I was, you know, I wasn't big. I was relative to kids as uh, other kids hit puberty. I stayed small and there were all these kids that were five, seven and I was still, you know, five, three or something small and all the five, seven, five, eight guys were pushing me down and, and I took a lot of shit off of people. Because I just, I would freeze up. And, you know, the kids that obviously were, you know, came from bad places that were just, that were mean. Yeah. I mean, there was a kid named, uh, oh, what the hell was his name? It was so, it, his name rung out in our hallways in junior high like it was, like he was Beowulf. His, his name was. <laughs> Oh, he was just, he was the kid he was a lot bigger than everybody else yeah he uh and he was the kid when you walk into the locker room he'd snap you with a towel and all the you know all the kind of like overweight asian kids and shy kids he just victimized tortured the eskimo kids he was just vicious to them and I avoided him at all costs. Just, you know, I never went in the shower. I just, I just stayed out of this guy's line of sight. Yeah. And then in high school, I, you know, I was more, I was a prominent kid in my high school. But still, like, if the hockey players decided that they were going to sweat me, or if I said something, if I said something snotty or or made a joke at, at some big kid's expense and that kid turned and kind of, you know, raised a fist at me, I, right. would, I would cower. But then sometime in my junior year, I realized, I realized first that the pen was mightier than the sword. Right. 
like my ability to be kind of viciously humorous was more was a was a greater power of destruction than anybody's fist right and i could i could deploy that kind of like shame gun i could say things that would that would ruin a kid mm. in school and he could raise his fist at me and i would just say something else until he just he melted you know there was there were very few kids that wanted to tangle with that and i and i suddenly felt i think a very cruel power that made me into a really bad little dude for a couple of years when i came into my uh when i came into that kind of sorcery because when, once I realized it, once I realized that I could injure people with my tongue, right? Um, I didn't have any govern governance over that for a while until I until I injured people that I cared about and watched them suffer, and then I was like, "Oh fuck, no! You can't just you can't just be vicious for the sake of you know." I would perform for an audience and just be like, "Watch me take this person apart." Watch me take this big hockey player who thinks he's so tough. Let me well, watch me just dismember him. Mm. And I'd do it for the crowd, you know? But then I, you know, I, I did that a couple of times to people that didn't deserve it. And, uh, and I, then I was ashamed. But contemporaneous with this, I also grew a foot and a half, right? right I just, right, I right. suddenly would weigh 215 pounds. And was six foot three. And I went from five, six to six, three in the course of uh, 18 months. You know, wow. you could hear my bones grow. Yeah, really? And so then, but I didn't realize it at first, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand that I was big. I just noticed that everybody suddenly was leaving me alone. Mm -hmm. But all those years of being picked on and bullied, I never, it was never, ever, ever my impulse to, use my physical strength or size. But when I got to be about 21 and I was, I was playing in, in bars, I was, I was playing, I was fighting above my weight in bars. Right. Cause I wanted to always to go to the sailor bar, the dark shitty bar <laughs> and wade right in. And then you're in a class of people where, hey, there's a lot of guys in this bar that weigh 215 pounds. And also there are a lot of guys in this bar that fight. Right. That fight just, they've always fought. And it's not, they're not bullies. They're just people that fight. And when you smart off to them, they're just going to fucking hit you. Mm -hmm. And so I got into that thing completely by accident. But also that was at a time in my life when like you'd hit me and, I mean, I could take a punch, right? So you'd hit me hard and I would, in a way it was like, I finally feel something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so emotionally closed off and damaged that this feels kind of amazing. Hit me again, mister. Uh, it's not like I liked being hit, but you know, those millies just felt like I just felt alive. They yeah. felt real. Yeah, and of course, of course, it feels like there are never going to be any consequences. So you know, I got punched in the face, I got my teeth knocked out, I got you know boxed in the ears and thrown to the ground, and 
and kicked and hit with bats and all these oh things. God. And I was just like, there's no, there are no consequences, you know? Uh, and the problem is now that I'm in my uh, mid forties, all those wounds hurt. Oh yeah. All those things that were broken ache when the weather changes <laughs> and my teeth are a fucking train wreck because the three of them got knocked out and I, you know, I got little, I got little scars all over me that are, that, that didn't ever go away. So looking back, I'm like, well, that was pretty rowdy. And, and I it definitely, I definitely felt stuff for a while, but, um, you know, nobody ever knifed me, which was nice. That's pleasant. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm proud of, I'm proud of never having been knifed. But the thing I think I'm, the thing that, that is the most useful to me. Yeah. Is that I learned to tell people who can fight. I, I learned to be, I learned to tell who those people are from a distance. Like by looking at them. Yeah. You walk into a situation, you look around and you're like, oh, that guy can fight. What is they it just, that, how, how do you tell that? What do you, people that can fight just carry themselves a different way. Confident or, mm, uh, there's just a, there's just a, um, they just watch the room in a different way. Right? They, they, they are confident, but they're also not wary, just ready. Right. And that readiness is, it's not like a parent. They're not paranoid. They're not skittish. I, that's what it is. It's ready without being skittish. Hmm. They're not, you know, if you drop a, a, a glass on the floor, they don't jump three feet in the air. They are, you know, they're calm, but ready. And those are the people that you don't want to get in a fight with. Right. So you look around and you go, well, I mean, that guy over there knows how to fight and, uh, and I'm not going to get in a fight with him at all because, <laughs> You know, I've had experiences with those guys where, um, where, you know, back when I was drinking, you run into a guy and, uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was messing with some guy one time, tangling with him and he just put me on the floor and it wasn't, he didn't punch me. I just was standing face to face with him. And then suddenly I was sitting on the floor, sitting on a wet concrete floor, <laughs> not by choice. And he's standing over me and not he's, his fists aren't raised. And I don't have, I basically don't have any idea how I got on the floor. Right. And that happened to me enough times where the, where the person was like, listen, kind of, kind of like me in the park where he was like, listen, I don't want to get in a fight right now. You are messing with me. And you know, I'm having, I'm watching the swans. <laughs> uh, but I also don't want you to keep messing with me. So how about you sit on the floor for a second? Right. And it's like, Oh shit. If I didn't know how I got on the floor, I also probably wasn't going to see when I got, when I was going to get my nose broken, right? I was going to have my nose broken all of a sudden. And so a few of those, and you realize like, okay, I, I'm not the one that should be tangled. I'm not the one that should be out there tangling. Mm-hmm. I should be, I should represent a peaceful mentality because there are people faster and stronger than me all around. 
but as time went on, that also, as I gained that kind of confidence, I also was like, there are, there are people that need a punch in the nose, right? We've talked about this before. Every once in a while, you meet somebody that just needs a punch in the nose. That's the only thing that's going to help them. <laughs> and, um, and so occasionally, you know, I, I, occasionally I get into that situation and it's not, it's obviously not something I pursue, but, but for a long time there, I just was getting hit all the time. And, and it, and it was, it was all, I deserved to get hit every one of those times. Um, but you know, you get hit. It's like, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like building a model railroad or whatever you get, you get so that you know the ins and outs and, and you're not afraid to get hit more if that kid threw rocks at me today i would go over and punch him in the nose right well listen we got to say thank you to uh to our one of our sponsors mac weldon mac weldon now before the show i asked her i said did you did you get a chance to do your mac weldon order because they wanted us to do an order so we would have the whole the full experience i knew you were traveling and but you said you were able to do it well um I went online on my phone, oh, nice. which is, which is my only interface it's now your, with the world, your computer. And I think I was in an airport. Okay. And I went on my phone at your insistence and I went to the MacWeldon.com. Yep. And, uh, I saw their selection, which, you know, is a very, concentrated selection, right? You go on most websites and you're pull down menu and it's like, Oh, well there are 75 kinds of this and 45 kinds of that. And would you like <laughs> to search by size or color or whatever? Right. And this was just like, well, here's what we sell underwear, t-shirts and socks. Right. And, uh, mostly we sell underwear and t-shirts, primarily underwear. And yeah. I was like, this is, uh, this is spectacularly focused and I went on there and I looked and I was like, these are cool. These are cool. These are cool. Beep, boop, beep, boop. And I just very, <laughs> it was like, normally when I'm sitting in an airport and I go onto a website, it's just a, it's just like a torture session. Yeah. And I'm using my iPhone 5S, which I had no idea was a ridiculous phone, mm -hmm. but everywhere I have been going in the last month, people are like, what are you doing? Like yeah. they look at my iPhone 5S as though I'm carrying a Motorola car phone around with me i'm like what the hell this was a this is a fairly recent phone right but it's all bogged down it's a it's garbage now anyway i'm in an airport and within five minutes i have ordered oh like a basically a whole new underwear wardrobe <laughs> including a pair that are impregnated with silver somehow. yes they have like a silver uh Threaded with antibacterial silver. Yeah. And so I ordered it and then I immediately realized, oh shit, I just ordered a package to be delivered in two days and I'm, I'm in an airport. <laughs> I'm going to be gone. And so I wrote them a letter right away and I was like, Hey, I'm going to be gone. Uh, can you delay shipment? And they wrote back right away and we're like, sorry, we can't delay shipment because you ordered it and the machine is rolling. But if the package doesn't arrive, we'll totally, we're, you know, we'll totally fix it. Smiley face emoticon. 
lol or whatever. <laughs> super nice, super nice email. So I was like, okay, well, no problem. And I was gone for 10 days. I came back and here is the package leaning against my front door. And I opened it up and I am wearing their Mac Weldon underwear right now. And um, couldn't be more pleased. It's really so, good stuff. I mean, I think you pretty much said everything there is to say. It, it's a really fun website. They, they've they got it down so that it's a pleasure to use it. I never tried it on, on a phone, so that's cool to know, too. And that's kind of like the ultimate test, you know, like, can I use the website and make an order on the phone? If so, that's pretty good. But they have a they have a coupon. A coupon? A, a coupon, promo code, as they say, which the promo code is roadwork, one word. And mm-hmm. folks who use that will get 20% off. Is uh, at Mac, Mac Weldon, M-A-C-K, Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N, Mac Weldon. So use the code roadwork. You'll support the show. You'll save 20%. Is there, do you have a recommendation like a, like a Roderick's pick for something everyone should get. Would you say, is it the silver? Well, I would definitely, I mean, this is the only pair of underwear I have that's threaded through with silver. So (laughs) if you can, if you can get into the silver uh, stuff, I would do it just because it seems like your kind of thing. Yeah. You're wearing super, super, uh, superhero underwear. Yeah. But you know what, you know what I like? I like a pair of dusty pink underwear. Hmm. Underwear are such boring colors, men's underwear in particular, and I and the ones that are colored or patterned, I typically don't like the colors or patterns. You know, I don't want underwear with, you know, blue stripes or whatever. Right. I don't want my underwear to look like a tent on the beach in Brighton in 1960. <laughs> but... They have dusty pink underwear, and I think I'm, I think dusty pink is very becoming color on me yeah I'm and so i was like dusty pink underwear sold and uh so i would call those the roderick picks nice dusty pink and it's the silver pima cotton plus the xt2 silver tack the link will be in the show notes thanks very much to macweldon.com for supporting the show code is at roadwork to save 20 percent uh that is spectacular i'm very pleased I'm very pleased with this um, this underwear and pleased with, you know, I mean, I haven't like showed it to anybody yet, but I'm confident the next time I appear somewhere in my underwear that people are going to go, boom. 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 Look at Dusty Pinky over here. <laughs> and maybe, do, do you think that he was expecting you not to do that? Otherwise, well, he wouldn't he was, have done it. He was a lot bigger than me, and he was a classic bully. You know, he was throwing rocks at a smaller kid. Yeah. As a way of saying, you're not the, you know, you're not the hot shit around here anymore. Right. And in a way, I probably deserve that. Why the, why the hell did I think I was such hot shit? Right. Um, so I don't look back at any of that stuff. I can't think of any injustice, right? There were, there were a lot of fights I wish I hadn't gotten in and a lot of fights that I got the, that somebody got the better of me, but I don't think, I can't think of any where I was, even the ones where I was just attacked. I still can trace 
a pretty short line to some behavior on my part that had earned their attention. Were you not afraid of getting hurt? You know what I mean? No, I wasn't. I did. I, I did. I did. We talk about this already where, where, um, where I was, I was describing my RV to a friend in New York city who, um, is kind of an Epicurean. He's the editor of a fairly well-known food magazine. Okay. And, a, you know, and a, a hale and hearty guy and a, and a guy with a lot of, con- a lot of New York confidence. Right. And I was telling him about my RV and he said, well, I mean, aren't you afraid of getting murdered? And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? And he said, well, you're not driving your RV. You park, some campground somewhere? Aren't you afraid of murderers? Right, murderers? Right, right, right. Like you'd be like, you'd be sleeping in the RV and someone just comes in there and comes and murders you. And I was like, murderers? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, do you think the do you think the streets are run with murderers? Like they're they're just murderers lurking in campgrounds? The idea of a murderer has never occurred to me. <laughs> Right. Like if you're out walking along a country road in the middle of the night, which I know is a lot of people's, you know, is a major fear for people, right? Your car runs out of gas and you're on a dark road in the middle of the night. And I'm not talking about a single woman in a car because yes, there are rapers in much greater proliferation than there are murderers. Right. Um, and so for a, for a single woman in a car or two women in a car, uh, it's a much worse situation to run out of gas on a dark road. But for me to walk down a country road in the middle of the night and a car comes along, do I think it's a murderer? No, no, I am sure it's not a murderer. And the, you know, and that's pretty much when I park my RV on the, on the side of the road in the dark somewhere, there is no murderer there. Uh, and the, and the, the one time that, that I come up against a murderer, like I'm, I'm probably going to be wearing white jeans and he's probably going to underestimate <laughs> right. how susceptible I am to being murdered. But no, I, I'm not worried about getting hurt. Um, I'm much more now reticent to get hurt. Yeah. But it's not a thing that. Uh, like fear of getting hurt doesn't motivate me. See, I think that's something that separates one kind of person from another kind of person is the, and I don't know if it comes from just a person's nature, if it comes from the fact that maybe they have been hurt and then they realize that, well, if it's not like a major thing that it's, then it's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? And I th- it seems like there's people who sort of live in that physical world of, yeah, in the world you kind of get hurt. And and then that's okay as long as it's not some serious thing that's going to potentially cripple you or affect the rest of your life. Like, then it's no big deal. You hurt for a while, you get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would like to thank Wealthfront. Wealthfront makes it easier for... And see, there's a theme going with these spots that we just want to make your life easier. Wealthfront makes your life easier by bringing you sophisticated, diversified, long-term investment options without high fees, without account minimums, 
And without uh, some uh, fat cat taking some huge percentage of your investment in management fees, they don't do that. They don't charge trading commissions. They're completely free for accounts under 10000 And for accounts larger than 10000 their management fee is only 0.25% per year. They've taken the best modern technology, combined it with rigorous investment research. They cut out the middleman, and they give all of us sound investment management. It's What's great about it is it's, it's what they call passive. So that means you take some money and you sort of throw it into, into the Wealthfront account and you forget about it. You don't have to worry about it. Set it and forget it. And their automation, their genius that they've built reinvests your money for you intelligently. They're doing this for nearly $3 billion in client assets. They're the real deal. This is, this is absolutely legit. And uh, their advisory fee is only 0.25% per year on assets above 10000 That's not good enough for you. How about this? You listen to this show. You go to wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 and your first 15000 bucks will be managed entirely free of charge for life. That means in addition to never paying commissions or any hidden fees, you also won't pay any management fees to have that first fifteen k invested. So again, go to Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 to learn more. And then there's the other kind of people who are like, any, any kind of pain is bad. Any kind of injury is serious. And I don't think that it's as simple as something like, like pain tolerance. No, I don't think it is either. I don't think it is either. I think it's a lot more to do with, um, I don't know. I don't have a lot of admiration for people that, that can't, they can't bear a little bit of suffering. And, you know, and it, and it affects the way I raise my kid, you know, she'll stub her toe or skin her knee and, right. and make a big production out of yes, it. Yes. Yeah. As kids do, right. Big production. And there are a lot of people, even in her, even in my own family, even in her life, whose reaction to that is pure sympathy, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Get down on their hands and knees with her. Oh baby. Oh sweetie. Oh, you know, and they, they, they accept her level of drama and they, um, they participate at that level of drama. Right, 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 right. They respond to her drama in kind. And my reaction and my mom's reaction to that kind of injury is, are you hurt? I mean, sincerely hurt because I saw you fall. Right. I know exactly how hurt you are and I'm, I'm sorry, but sorry that you fell, but you fell because you were not watching where you're going, not watching your feet. And when you don't watch your feet, that's what happens. You fall and you're over dramatizing it because you get rewarded for that sometimes, right? You dramatize it and you get all this attention and all this cuckoo coo, but you don't get that from us. You never have. And so why are you, did you forget who you're with? (laughs) You know? And when she spends when she spends concentrated time with me, she falls, looks up at me. You can see her think. Right. And then she goes, Oh, right. I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in daddy world where making a big hullabaloo gets me nothing. 
And so she gets back up and runs off and back on the playground with no, you know, with barely a peep. Right, right. But if she's around other people who reward her for that kind of thing, oh my God, oh, she's just like a soccer player. Oh, oh, shit. And the, the referee comes over and it's just this big production. And so I think that I think a lot of people were from a very young age rewarded for all their suffering drama. Right. And that whole like, oh, I'm throwing a tantrum. And instead of being told to sit up straight and stop throwing a tantrum, I was told, oh, honey, you're probably just hungry. And oh, sweetie, you need a nap. And all this kind of like all this lawyering that people do. Right. Right. Like, like mothers and fathers so often appoint themselves the public defender of their lying little child. And the child is clearly making some lie and the parent proffers all these excuses for it. Oh, she's tired. Oh, she just, Oh, but it's you no, know, like, like they're arguing in front of a jury to convince convince the jury that their child is, is, um, is acting, uh, uh, you know, it's like an insanity defense or like a, like a hardship defense. When in fact, you know, I'm my, my approach is generally as a, as a good hearted prosecutor. It's like, were you really on the night of the 14th? Were you really hungry? Or were you just trying to get away with whatever you could in order to get a dessert without eating your dinner? Right. Answer the question. And, you know, I, and so I feel like when, when you get to be 19, 20, 25, 45, and, and everyone in your life has always been your defense attorney and no one has ever been your prosecutor. Well, you're going to be a, you're going to be a little son of a bitch defendant in everything you do. I'm hungry. I can't, I can't go another step until I get low blood sugar. Oh, I'm so blah. (laughs) And it's just like, no, you're, you know, you're, you got no chill. Like if, if you can't hang, then you got no chill. And, and partly it's because you never learned you never, no one ever said, look, when you got like a serious problem, yeah. yeah, when you got a serious problem, there is no one who will come to your aid faster than me. When she's legitimately hurt, oh, I, yeah. I will run across hot coals. Has but, she ever been legitimately hurt? Like needed, needed medical attention of some kind? I mean, she's had fevers. But she hasn't like sustained an injury. We had her tonsils out. Hmm. But like, as far as, I mean, yeah, there are times when she takes a, she takes a header and you go, Oh, sweetie, you are hurt. I know that hurt. And that was, and you are indignant and you have every right to be. And you know, when her mom goes away and she feels that like mommy feeling, I remember that feeling. Yeah. I know the power of like, where's my mommy? So I don't mock that. That's serious. Your mom goes away. Yeah. Um, but like you fall, you're running across the 
playground and you and you trip on a crack because you're not watching your feet right, and you, fall, not. you fall on the grass and then you want to have a then you want to call an EMT no. our daughters are almost exactly the same age oh that's right they have almost exactly the same name yes and they are very very identical on the cuteness yeah, scale. they're both the perfect uh, cuteness different different brands of different cuteness. brands of cute and white queen black queen that's right and my little girl has had nursemaid's elbow twice. What the hell is nursemaid's elbow? Uh, n- Does that mean somebody stuck an elbow in her? No, in her no, eye? no, 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 no. Uh, and she's also needed stitches on her chin to sew her chin back together. And ah! uh, she once bit through her tongue and a part of her tongue uh, was like off. Mm-hmm. with it healed fine but nursemaid's elbow it's when your elbow joint gets gets dislocated mm. and this can happen Ow. yeah and it's apparently one of these incredibly i'm looking at a picture of it i'll put it i'll put it in our show notes Ow! it is one of the apparently most painful things that can happen to a child without being something that's very serious and a doctor uh is able to fix it very simply just by sort of putting pressure on the outside of the elbow and then having the child bend their elbow. But when it happens to the child, and it's very common, but when it's happening to the child, they sort of, their arm dangles and, and it, it happens as if the lower arm is, has become, and it has, has sort of become detached. And it just, they're not able to do anything with it, but just have it dangle. And apparently it's incredibly painful, like screaming. Of course. So the first time that it happened to her, she was very, you know, she was walking, but she was still in diapers. And, um, you know, my, she was, you know, my, my wife would, you know, being our second child, uh, you don't need a special uh, pad on a special stand, on a special piece of furniture to change your child's diaper. You just lay them on the ground and you change their diaper right there on the ground because that's all you really need. And so she had laid her on the ground to change her diaper the way she'd done probably a thousand times. And to, you know, while, while adjusting her so that she was lined up correctly, somehow just that slight movement and it wasn't a, it wasn't like, you get back here and change your, it was, she was just, comfortably laying down and my wife just adjusted her angle Mm -hmm. and that was enough i guess just the right movement or moment or whatever adjust the angle adjusting the angle that was enough to make it pop out and uh she immediately started screaming and she called me and she's like i hear the girl screaming in the background and she's like she's been screaming like this for half an hour nonstop." Her arm is dangling. I'm like, okay, let's, you know, it's probably real. And yeah. then it, it, it actually happened again, like six months later from a, a complete, she was just playing in the house and it happened. But it's like, she's had enough things where, you know, I've seen her hurt. So yeah. I know, like, I know when she's really hurt. I know yes. when she really needs to go. And she has no memory of the elbow. She has no memory of biting her tongue. She, you know, but it, like these things happened and I, so it's like, you know, if you're, hopefully your chill, child never gets hurt, your children never really get hurt, but 
like there is a very big difference between what happens like you're saying when they're running on the playground and they trip and they like bang their bang their arm or something and when they're really hurt and oh you know yeah you once you see it you know for sure like this is serious and we're going to the doctor versus you know suck it up a little bit yeah and my my boy one time my uh she's accidentally they used to play this game where one of them would be running the other one would run and then go into a room and slam the door Oh yeah, and we would say, "Don't do that." You're gonna. That's a nice noisy game. Yes, you're going to wind up getting your fingers caught in the door. Don't do that. And so eventually, uh, what happened? My son was the one chasing, and he got he got his hand finger slammed in the door, and started swelling up. And I've done that a few times. It's very very painful. And I said, "Listen, you know." we got to go to the, the thing. And we did. And they like put a hole in his nail and let the blood drain. It was really gross. Ugh. But he handled it really, really well. Really, really well. But ever since then, he's had a thing with, with blood where even a little bit of blood and he, start, he starts to just lose his mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to get him out of that. Because, I, I mean, that could be a detriment to his fighting career. Sure. Well, you know, cover him with blood a couple of times. Yeah. Like Carrie. Well, do the uh, do the G. Gordon Liddy thing and tie yourself into a tree and eat a rat while it's a lightning storm. Right. That's what. <laughs> we would love to say thank you to our friends over at Squarespace. Squarespace, what's that? They make awesome websites. They make make it possible for you to make awesome websites. Your site is going to look awesome no matter what your skill level is. You have no skill level in designing sites. That's cool. Oh, you're like some expert. Guess what? You don't want to spend time building a website. In 2016, you don't need to spend million years building a website. Squarespace will do it for you. Beautiful templates that they've designed that you can customize. And when I talk about customize, it's not like a boring thing. It's fun. It's easy. Your site's going to look amazing. It's going to look amazing on John's uh, iPhone 5, it's going to look amazing on the latest, greatest computer. Whatever it is, your site will look amazing. Their easy-to-use tools make it possible. Everything is drag-and-drop. Everything is clicking and just typing something and hitting publish, and it's done. And you even get a free domain if you sign up for a year. It's crazy, but it's true. Go to squarespace.com slash roadwork. Just going there supports the show. Let's them know you're listening. So do that. But while you're there, check it out. Check out what they have to offer. If you decide to sign up, when you decide to sign up, use the code ROADWORK and you'll get 10% off your first purchase or your client's first purchase or your kid is graduating and you want to make a cool little site for them, your sister's getting married, you want to have a place they can put their amazing photographs or their wedding invitations, like it's unlimited. Oh, you have a band? You want to put your thing up to host the, the album? You're a podcaster, you want to host your podcast? You can do anything. Squarespace.com slash roadwork. Use the code roadwork to get 10% off your first purchase. I don't know. You know, it's the way the, the way these kids are, it's, you know, as a parent, like you never want your kid to get hurt, but I got hurt all the time as a kid. Yeah. Your daughter sounds like me. I, I, um, you know, by the time I was seven years old, I had been knocked unconscious. Oh my God. Like five times. 
five times. Just knocked completely out cold. What were you doing? I mean, uh, they were all closed head injuries, right? I was, I was one time I found a truck tire, like a giant sort of truck tire that was kind of as tall as I was. And I had two kids hold it while I climbed up on top of it because I pictured myself running down the street on top of a truck tire. (laughs) And God, you know, of course I fell off of the truck tire backwards and landed on the back of my head. The next thing I knew I'd been carried into a house and you know, those are just like terrible, terrible injuries that probably, that probably made me reckless and stupid. Yeah. At a later year, and one time I fell into a marble coffee table, and uh, you know, and I just I'd fall off of playground equipment, and I always landed on my head, knocked me completely out. I man. bit through my, I bit through my lower lip, and all these uh, terrible things. Mm. But um, but you know, that's I mean, I'm I am super glad that my kid has never been seriously hurt yeah i mean i don't i don't i'm not proud of this stuff and the second you know like when we would take her to the to the dock we have like an emergency clinic that's very close you know you can tell that they're they're kind of they're kind of gauging you oh sure they want to know if you're a child abuser right like was this an accident and they can and meanwhile you know my my wife was the one that took her in for the elbow things both times and she's just hysterical and it's it's clear from the child's reaction and from her reaction that this was truly an accident. Yeah. But yeah. you know, it's one of those injuries like the elbow one where like if you if you grab your kid and say you come over here, you stop doing that right now. Like that could do it if you pull it the wrong way. Right. And so she was so paranoid that it would happen again. That like we could we we had a ha- house rule that we couldn't touch her lower arm for like the next year. Like we just would not <laughs> could not touch mm. it. But they mm. apparently grow out of it after a period of time. Yeah, their joints. I mean, I had a friend, uh, my friend Peter, up in Alaska. Uh, his shoulder would come out of joint uh, because he was a hockey player and and he had hockey injuries and. Um, when his shoulder would come out of joint, it was my job to take him and uh, throw him up against a wall. And that pops or, it back in like in the movies? Yeah, or I would grab his arm and lift it up and pull it. And, you know, he's just screaming. But he was a, he was a tough kid. Peter wasn't a big guy, but he was a, he was a good skater. And, uh, and just he was just he's naturally just tough. Not tough like uh, he's just tough inside, you know. He wasn't a fighter at all. He was a, you know, he's a lawyer. But... Inside, he had a lot of, yeah, what you call it? He, you know, Peter. After the apocalypse, you would you would still find Peter, right? And he would and he would be he wouldn't be running a town. He would be (laughs) like quietly running the town, right? right. And influential, Um, yeah. But but uh, listening to you tell your stories of when you were a kid, and I mean, it it reminds me so much of my childhood. Except I never grew the extra foot and a half. <laughs> right. Well, geez, let me tell you that extra foot and a half has has really been an advantage. There's no there's no absolutely no question in my mind. I'm so jealous of it. Yeah, that without the extra foot and a half, everything would have been a lot different. And what can you do about it? I mean, I can't um I I I I wouldn't give it back if I could. No. Um and I try to I try not to misuse it, I guess is the 
See, I think that's the that's the difference between you and kids who are maybe always on the bigger side, mm-hmm. because they're just. It's kind of like a like a. You know, like the experience of of a of a beautiful woman, who thinks that the world is a wonderful place and people are always helping her out, doing things for her, carrying things for her, opening doors. People always seem to just smile. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the 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 world is a. Is a lovely place. Yeah. People yeah. are just always so nice. Yeah. I don't understand why everybody else is so mad. Right. Why, people are right. so great. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it was, I think just, it was, it was uh, years and years and years of being bullied um, caused me to always be very reticent. And I think not just that, but also if you're smaller than everybody else for a long time and I wasn't, I wasn't tiny. I wasn't, that much smaller than everybody else, but I was a sensitive kid and mm-hmm. I, you know, I got pushed around. Uh, that sticks with you, right? Yeah, I mean, I absolutely. was, I was a big, big guy for a long time before my internal self image stopped being that I was a little kid. And so I carried myself still as a small, interesting, you know, I carried it myself as a small and, um, and and that was in my eyes and that was in my reactions to things. And, it, and that, I think that's what happened when I was 20, 20 or 21, where I was just like, oh, ha ha, you know what? I can kind of do anything. <laughs> right. And that was a that was a, a liberating kind of period. But I never, ever, ever lost sympathy for people that were smalls. Yeah. Um, you know, like, did I, you ever did you see that movie, My Bodyguard? Do you remember that movie from when I, we were kids? I did not. You and I may have been kids at a different time. Dan. We were we're only what two years apart. Well, that's a big two years. Oh, it, well, this movie was in nineteen eighty. Oh no, I never saw my bodyguard. Was it something about a? Did somebody make a golem? No, no, and no. It protected some kid. No. So this is a movie where there's a kid. I think he moves to a new town, and. He's what we today would call, he's kind of a nerd. He's kind of a geek. And he, I guess he moves to the new town or starts in the, in the new school and he gets, he gets beat up. Mm. And I guess he finds there's another kid in the school who's just, he's a big, I think Matt Dillon plays the bully. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon, I think, is the bully in this. Classic bully. Yeah. And he he then finds a big kid who I, I think is clearly older and bigger and not a not a bully. Yeah, the, the Lenny character. But the Lenny character, who is played by Adam Baldwin of uh, Gamergate fame. F- Gamergate fame. Is Adam Baldwin famous from Gamer- Gamergate? Well, he was... He was in the X-Files and also this movie, and he was in Full Metal Jacket and Predator 2 and a whole bunch of other things, but in, in famous because of Gamergate now. What did he, what did he do in Gamergate? Uh, he originated, my understanding is he originated the Gamergate hashtag, and then he said a lot of things to, he's on sort of the, the bad side of Gamergate, is my understanding. I don't, I'm not that familiar with it, but he's, he was Animal Mother in Full Metal Jacket, and he was the bodyguard in the movie, my bodyguard. But you're telling me that this movie star, uh, uh, was a gamer to the, to such a degree that he went on record 
as being pro Gamergate. Yes, I believe that's correct. Jeez. Yeah. So anyway, he plays the bully. The kid hires him. I don't know how, I don't know if he was paying him. I don't know what he would, currency was exchanged or whatever. But he is his bodyguard and he just hangs out with him and he sort of, as necessary, beats up the bullies or whatever. I don't want to spoil the movie, but uh, Matt Dillon gets his own bodyguard and then the two bodyguards have like a final boss kind of fight. Wow. At the at the end of the movie, bodyguard fight, and I believe I believe there is a I, I may be remembering this wrong, but I think there's a montage where the main character in my bodyguard in in in, in at the same time that the two bodyguards are fighting, he is also maybe then gotten some courage and is throwing a punch and maybe punches Matt Dillon. I can't totally remember this, but I feel like that's what or that's what should have happened if it didn't happen. That's what should have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like, you know, like I remember watching this movie as a kid and I was probably a eight or nine years old when I was watching the movie thinking, man, if this was real life, I would totally find a way to hire a bodyguard because I was always picked on. You know, I was uh, even probably smaller than you were. Did you get a bodyguard? Dan? No, I wish I had, I wish I had, had one, though. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That would have been awesome. No, I never had it's I never had a movie moment where somebody was like stood up for me, never happened. I did never you see had the movie a, 12 o'clock high. Yes, I definitely saw that. Yeah. 12 o'clock high was one of those movies that makes you feel like you need to stand up for yourself. Yeah. And uh That's the war then, the, it's a war film with like Yeah, I'm looking at this now. Yeah, with Gregory Peck in it. Oh, that's not the one I'm thinking Which of. Which one I'm are you talking about, about? I'm thinking about the one it takes place in a high school and there's like a bully who says I'm going to beat you up at maybe it's 5 o'clock high. 5 o'clock high. Let's look at 5 o'clock. I'm looking that one up. 5 o'clock. There's 3 o'clock high from 1987. Okay, that's that's got to be it. 3 o'clock high. Okay, I have not seen I've seen 12 o'clock high. I have not seen Three O'Clock High. Okay, Three O'Clock High is a very uh, humorous film <laughs> on the style somewhere like uh, like a lower budget Ferris Bueller. Okay, um, like a pre, uh, how would you say pre Coen Brothers, like pre Raising Arizona. <laughs> okay, um, and honestly, I haven't watched it since nineteen eighty seven. Uh huh. But um, but. I found it hilarious then and um and it's kind of you know it's about it's about getting bullied in high school yeah uh but it's you know it's funny oh you know it's kind of in the style of office space ah very much understand where you come yes sure yeah um and I don't know it's directed by Phil Jonu let's see what Phil Jonu has done oh he's made a lot of videos for you too really he made the video for one, which I think is a bad video. Okay. Um, oh, he directed Rattle and Hum. Oh, well, I'm really? Not, I'm not sure that I liked that either. And then a bunch of movies that I haven't seen, although something's called State of Grace that seems like I might have heard of it. Uh, so he's one of the, I, he, I guess he directed The Veil. Oh, he directed The Punisher Dirty Laundry. <laughs> 
Uh, but in any case, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot about three o'clock high that I like. So anyway, go, go ahead and see, see that movie. Put if that you are looking list. for a Ferris Bueller meets raising Arizona style teen comedy. I just, I never had, I never had that moment of like, I never really had an opportunity for it either, but I never really had that moment where like one day I got to sort of, at least not on the playground, maybe in, well, in, yeah, in real but life, but I never had like about, a playground moment of like where I'm getting, you know, getting my sweet revenge in the form of justice, physical violence against my oppressor. Like I never got that. Yeah, but think about every one of those bullies right now yeah. is sitting somewhere going, God, how do you how do you even do a podcast? <laughs> right. Like everybody's telling me I should start a podcast and I don't even know where to start. And then it's, they go online and they're like, how to do podcast. And then up comes Dan Benjamin. Yeah. Right. And they're like, damn it. I should have been better friends to him. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not always, <laughs> I'm sure that's, ex- that's the exactly the picture of reality that's going on right now. <laughs> I don't think in most cases you get the you get everyone that kind got of that everyone got mm-hmm. that what they they got a moment where they got their comeuppance yeah some of some of some form or another you know and I'm, like there's that there seems to be like I remember a buddy of mine Jason from college this may be my second year of college and he was more of a geek than I was which probably is why you know how like the pretty girl hangs out with the girl that's almost but not quite as pretty he was sort of like nerdier than me i found the one kid in college who was nerdier than i was to make me look less like a nerd uh-huh. uh but we were we were good friends and he was telling me uh he's like oh you know he came back one day he's like oh i got in a fight i'm like what are you talking about he's like yeah <laughs> i went in you know i was uh i was in the restroom and uh some guy came up to me and said such and such to me while I was washing my hands and like trying to start with me I'm like, yeah, he's like, so I turned around and hit him. Whoa. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I, I put my two hands together and made like a, you, you, you a, a big fist with both hands. You know what I'm talking about? What a nerd. And he spun around. Whoa. And popped and him with his double hand. Yes. Oh my God, what a genius. Knocked a guy down and he, you know, and he walked out. Now he was tall. He was a, a tall guy. He was probably at least six feet tall. But you would not, this didn't fit with Jason's character at all. Yeah. You would not imagine that not only would he stand up for himself in a fight, but that he would, he would throw the first blow when he, he, he was aware that it was going to come to blows he knew that was going to happen, and I'm sure he was right. And he he just preempt a preemptive strike. And you know, like like that. Like it just it didn't connect with his personality at all. But like I feel like there there is something in a person that connects them to a re- a readiness to engage in violence in one kind of person, like we were saying before, versus somebody else whose goal is just of avoidance. Yeah. And I think there's that that avoidance is the same thing that when a person has an instinct, like if you throw a ball at somebody, 
Is there instinct to catch it or is there instinct to dodge it? And I think that separates two different kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Uh, right. And what's my instinct? Yeah. What's your instinct? If I were to just throw a ball at you. I think I, well, boy, I, I, you know, when I was a kid, I think I would have dodged it. Yeah. And I think now I would, now I would catch it. So I don't know how that, I don't know. I don't know whether my instinct changed or whether, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you change your instinct. Mine changed when I was uh, hit in the head with a football. And then you went from catching it to dodging it? More, more often, no, more uh, dodging to catching because the worst, oh, the see. worst had happened. Oh, you gotten hit. So yeah, somebody threw a football. They weren't throwing it at me. It was overthrown and I was just stupid enough to be standing where I was standing <laughs> and it, a perfect spiral that came down and hit me right in the temple and knocked me down. And after that, I was like, well, that, that really hurt, but it's probably not going to be that bad if it happens again. So that, that opened the door to me, tr- at least trying to catch a ball. I don't right. know. I don't know if you, the next time I see you, I know you're probably going to have like a softball to whip at me or something is to test. Let's see what happens. Yeah, but I feel I feel like I feel like it, I go I could go fifty fifty. I could go either way. But I want my kids to be the kinds of kids that catch the ball, that their instinct is to attempt to catch the ball. I guess you got to start throwing balls at them. I'm gonna have to. See, yeah, I grew I up mean, in I grew up in the city where where like that like we didn't like play games like that we just you didn't open the fire hydrant and go play stickball in the street no no i just tried to avoid getting in fights that was the main thing that i did this is philadelphia standing at the bus stop and you had kids all the way from age kindergarten all the way up to probably like middle school like eighth grade going on the same bus at the same bus stop and there was a kid greg i'll never forget greg i don't want to out him on the show i won't say his last name but his name was greg yeah. And he was just, he was probably my best friend and very convenient for me. He had no fear. And oh, I think there was actually something maybe a little wrong with him. Like, okay. There was some, he, he didn't have any fear. He didn't feel pain. He didn't care about any of that stuff. And there was, there was this real big kid, real big kid. Like if we were in third grade, this kid was at least in sixth grade and he was big for his age. You know what I mean? He was at yeah. least six. He might've been in eighth grade. I don't know. He was a big kid and he wasn't a typical bully in the sense that I he, he wasn't always bullying people, but if, if he just was in the mood that day, he might just kind of mess with you and push you around just yeah. to kind of see if he could get a rise out of it, you know? And there were a lot of kids like that in Philadelphia who had something to prove. Oh, of course, because yeah, right. The, whatever their home life is, whatever the situation on their street is, he's just going to bring that to school with him. Well, this was the thing. Remember that kid I was talking about a little while ago who snapped people with a towel and was yeah. mean to the Eskimo yeah, kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds like this guy. Well, this was not Greg, by the way. Greg, that was. I'm not describing Greg. Talking about a different guy. Different yeah, guy. I remember sitting, I was sitting out in front of the junior high one day waiting for, I don't know what, nobody ever came and picked me up. I I was just waiting to, waiting to decide that I was ready to walk home. And, um, 
Oh, you know what? I do remember this kid's name. I'm not going to say his last name, but his first name was Julius. And I mean, right there, if somebody gives you the name Julius, <laughs> yeah. you're going to have to deal with it somewhere. Or right. And a, he bo- was, a boy he was, named Sue, in other words. He, he was big. He was violent. He was mean. Yeah. And, uh, and all of a sudden this like rusty junky kind of van pulls up in front of the junior high. And it was, it was janky enough that I noticed it. And this is in the state of Alaska where yeah. janky motor vehicles <laughs> That's just... <laughs> are not noticeable. Right. right. But this thing was like the windows were tinted black. It was, there was a bunch of like garbage on the dash. I mean, it was like, it was rough looking truck. The windows were the windows were tinted dark enough you couldn't see inside, and the van pulls up and the the door on the side slides open, and then boom! Out of the front door of the junior high comes Julius, walking fast, uh. <laughs> and it's it's only thirty steps from the front door of the of the uh, school and the side of the van. Mm-hmm. But in the time that it took Julius to, at a fast clip, to move from the door to the door of the van, the person inside the van had cursed him out eight times. Wow. Get your ass in here. God damn it, motherfucker. Get your butt. You better haul ass. Right. Just tearing into it. And I, at that moment, was like, wow, Julius is mean for a reason. And I had enormous sympathy for him. He didn't look right. left or right, right? He wasn't going to look over at me. Right. But I had a tremendous sympathy for him from then on. And I think I treated him differently and was different around him mm. in a way where I kind of wasn't scared of him anymore. It was just like, oh man, you're just, you're in a, you're living in hell. Yeah. And that's why you're mean to everybody. And that's too bad. But but you think about growing up in Philadelphia, mm. just every street has probably got its own little vice lord. Yeah, no, it totally did. You and know, I, or the- I just, I remember one day this, the big kid came over and was sort of, you know, doing his, do, pushing me around, that kind of thing. And Greg, who is my age, but just had no, no fear, was like, you know, he was kind of messing with Greg too. It wasn't just me. I think it was a little, it was like, uh, like 60, 40. And he's like, you know, stop. And he's like, no, make me, make me. Mm-hmm. And Greg's like, all right, fine. And, and he, made him? he had, I, this is the way Greg was. He starts throwing punches at this kid. Who's twice his size, knocks the kid down, is sitting on top of him throwing punches the bus driver had seen this kind of thing so much the bus driver was like well i'm leaving drives away and i remember looking out the bus window just watching greg just wailing on this kid greg it was it was more important to greg to beat the kid up than to go to school that day mm-hmm. i have no idea he wasn't in school that day and the next day he was there at bus stop in the morning just fine and like I would go over Greg's house in the morning sometimes because my mom had to leave early and she didn't like me being alone to, you know, if it was avoidable. So I would go over to his house and his mom was like the movie mom, blonde hair, frizzy blonde hair, 
red uh, nail polish, always scattered, running late. You know, is that the movie mom? Yeah, that's the seventies movie mom. You know, like always burning the toast and having to scrape the toast off in the sink. Greg eventually just making his own lunch. You know what I mean? And and so like I, he came from this kind of family of like insanity and disarray like single mom doing all this stuff and you know it was just like it blew me away that he just there was no concern at all he just had never had any because and i figured like think about what you're saying about that guy that you saw like things were kind of pretty bad for him already like it couldn't get much worse really he didn't have anything to lose and maybe that's it like you almost don't have something to lose so you don't worry i don't know yeah, you don't know what uh, you don't know what there is to lose. Maybe right, right. Beats me when I think back to my childhood, and I mean it's impossible to know what you were thinking as a kid. Yeah, I mean I I I, I think I have a pretty good sense of what reality looked like to me when I was young, but I don't know if I'm if I'm right at all. Mm. And so, I mean, I do know that I had a very hard time visualizing what kind of adult I was going to be because people were putting so many visualizations in my head. Right. People were always telling me what kind of adult I was going to be. And, and so I have no idea what kind of adult. I'm not even sure it occurred to me that I could make my own d- decision about what my dream of being an adult was. Because I was just trying, I was just trying on all these different hats that people had handed me. Oh, you're going to be a lawyer. Oh, you're going to be a politician. Oh, you're going to be a this. You're going to be a that. And so I spent all that time, uh, maybe time and, and that mental energy that I should have been spending thinking about what kind of person I was going to be. Instead, I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer, I guess. I'm going to be a politician, I guess. Right. Um, yes, that, I'm trying those things on. I'm telling other kids that's what I'm going to be. I'm telling adults who ask, like, that's what I'm going to be. Adults ask kids all the time, what do you want to be you when be? you grow up? Yeah. And I was like, a lawyer? <laughs> what does that mean when a nine-year-old says he wants to be a lawyer? <laughs> right. It's meaningless. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's just that somebody told you that enough. That you're like, I'm going to be a lawyer. And God, I have so much sympathy for all the people, all the lawyers out there who actually became lawyers because of that. Who, uh, you know, who are like, well, I'm a lawyer. And I guess uh, that's because I always was going to be. Yeah. Right. So I spent I spent all that childhood time picturing the world. That way. Like. And never picturing the world as it actually was or, or, you know, and that's just so, so I try and go back to being a kid and think like, was I happy as a kid? I went through a long period where I was convinced I was never, I was not happy as a kid that I had been a miserable kid, but I wasn't, I was out playing. I was playing in the sand. I, I had a good time as a kid, like everybody. It was just that. I was, I had, I was anxious because my world was, there was enough in my world to make me anxious, but isn't that true of every kid? I mean, I have no, I have no idea. I think we spend a lot of time measuring ourselves and we have no, there's no, 
there's no yardstick. Yeah. You know, I think about the fact that I got to go through a phase where I had been small and gotten picked on and then I got big and neato, you know, neato for me for a little while. And now I get to do things like walk, walk around and not be afraid. And, and that's great. And it is, but you know, but my envy is always directed at people that found love early or that knew that, that knew and know how to love and, and, uh, and that like enjoy romance, right? I mean, people that enjoy romance seem to have, seem to me to have the greatest gift of all. And from my perspective of like, I get to walk around dark alleys in the middle of the night when it's raining and not be afraid of murderers. It's like, Oh, slow clap for you. (laughs) Uh, that's a great superpower except, Oh, except you're in an alley in the middle of the night and it's raining. Like that's not, that's not actually that great. It's nice that you're not afraid, but, uh, it's still a, like a shitty place Mm -hmm. and you're all by yourself. But those people that like, from a very young age, which is like, Oh, I just, you know, I fell in love with my high school sweetheart and we loved each other passionately and either got married and are still together or she went her way and I went mine. And then I met a, you know, another person and we were in love. And you know, those people that, that go through love affairs and are, have never known a life without love. That's, hmm. I would trade, um, I would trade being, fearless for that 